Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, if you've got your Bibles today, I would encourage you to get them open to the book of Romans chapter 8. Today on this Palm Sunday, we have the chance together to uh, continue our study of the book of Romans. And today, I feel led to be very ambitious. And so we are going to cover five verses. (laughs) Five verses this morning in Romans chapter 8 in a message that I have entitled, Assurance in Christ. So if you got something to write with, and I hope you do, Assurance in Christ. I told you already as we've been going through this book, uh, Paul really turns the corner. He's helping us to know what everyday life looks like for us as a Christian and for how we can experience more and more of God and his fullness and his freedom. And so uh, we are just letting God pour out his blessings upon us. He is helping us to know how blessed we are in Jesus Christ. All of this book is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of what God has done in Jesus to save all who trust in him, including you this morning. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. You need salvation. You can't provide it for yourself, but he has stepped in in his love for you and his work on your behalf. That's what Palm Sunday is all about, Jesus stepping in for you. Jesus showing up to do the work needed in his life and ultimately as we celebrate this week in his taking your place on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin, in his death in your place and then as we'll celebrate next Sunday in his triumphant resurrection for the dead and he is still alive today and he will come again but God is a wonderful savior. That's the good news of the gospel. God has done it all. He can save all who trust in Jesus Christ. And as we look at this chapter, he's just saying, I just want you to know how blessed you are in Jesus. I just want you to get in the, to the posture of receiving so that you might fully understand the, the blessings that God pours out in your life as you grow in a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know how to experience life with Christ. And he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And he just paints this incredible picture for us of what it looks like to really walk with God and to know his fullness and to walk with God and to know his freedom. So this morning, as we uh, pay attention to the text, we're going to have opportunity to see more of what it looks like to know his assurance because that is part of what God wants for you. He wants for you to have assurance in your life. And this morning, we're going to be talking about three of these assurances. The main point this morning, if you guys have to write it down, through the Holy Spirit's intercession, through God's good purposes, and his committed work in our lives, we can have, and we do have, assurance in Jesus Christ. I'm going to start in verse 26. It shouldn't take us very long to read the text, but I do want it to, us to marinate in it this morning short as it is, it gives us opportunity to really go deeper in the word of God. Starting in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is God's word. Today, I want to talk to you about three assurances that we have in Jesus Christ. In other words, I want to talk to you today about three things that you can know, that you know, that you know, that you know, if you're in Jesus Christ. And they're quite simple. I'm going to put them all, all three. This is the entire message on the screen, all right? Those of you who know me know a little bit better than that, but there will be a few little sub points along the way. Okay, if you want to write them one at a time as we go through, if that's better for you, that's fine. But here's the three assurances that I just, I just want to faithfully represent to you from God that you can have in your life when you're in Jesus Christ. God wants you to know that you can be sure of these three things. Number one, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Even right now, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. That is a a past, present, and a future for those who are in Jesus Christ. From the time Jesus Christ has come into your life, the Holy Spirit has been interceding for you. That's one assurance. Number two, that God is at work in everything in your life. That's the second assurance that he wants you to have from this passage. God is certainly at work right now. He is at work right now in your life. He's at work in everything in your life. And he will continue to be at work in everything in your life for good. And we'll talk about that more in a second. That's the second assurance. And number three, God will finish what he has started. God most certainly, if he has started a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm quoting literally from Philippians 1, which we'll look at later. He who started a good work in you, he will finish it. Y'all got it? Y'all ready to go home? (laughs) That's the whole message, okay? I want to do something this morning. Uh, I want to read these together because I want to make sure we all got it. Hopefully you've written them down if you're a writer, but if not, um, maybe you can get them, say them, then we'll walk through them together. Number one, let's read it together. The three, sure, sorry. I, I, I feel so much shame right now. I set you up for success and then I've ruined it, totally ruined it, all right? I'm going to start by reminding us of what we're gonna be talking about and then we'll go to number one, all right? 
So the three assurances from these five verses, if, if, so, if, you're, if your child were to ask you, what, what are these verses about? Or if a friend were to ask you in the future, if you were to teach these later to, your, to some group or to some uh, um, class, you, you, you gotta get these, from these verses, three assurances. Number one, here we go. The Spirit intercedes for us. Number two, God is at work in everything. And number three, God will finish what he started. Okay. I want to start with number one. The Spirit intercedes for us. This is from verses 26 and 27. I don't just make random outlines here. I just try to outline the text. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The first thing I want you to pay attention to under this assurance that we have in Jesus Christ, that the Spirit intercedes for us is this. What God promises you when you're in Jesus Christ is that the Holy Spirit will give words for you to the Father even when you have none. The Holy Spirit will give words to you even when you have none. The scripture says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. I don't know about you, but I think I do know you. Because I know me. There are times when we go to pray, especially in times where we feel overcome. Times where you feel overwhelmed. Times when you're going through some stuff. Can I get a witness? If you lived long enough, you know that not every day is a sunny day. Some days are hard days. Some days are days that are marked by the context that this verse gives us here of the Spirit helping us in weakness. Some days you just are just overcome with your own frailty and your own weakness. Maybe it's sin that's knocking on the door. Maybe it's circumstances that feel like they're pressing on every side. Maybe it's, maybe it's pain that has been realized in life because of things totally outside of your control. 
But there are some moments in our life with Jesus that just feel where we just know, we know that we know we are really, really weak. And in these moments, um, I know I've experienced many. Prayer looks a lot more like silence than words. Sometimes the only prayer we have to offer is our tears. We just sit in the presence of God and we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. We know we need God. We know we need God. But all we have to offer is just silence and tears, groanings, that are deeper than anything words could express. Maybe it's a loss that you faced or a decision that's at hand or having to deal with your own self and your own flaws. But there are times when human vocabulary feels insufficient. And I'm here to just pour out good news to you. That when you are in that place as a child of God, when you're in that place as one who's been redeemed by Jesus Christ, when all I can think about is Dear Evan Hansen right now, I'm sorry. Words fail, words fail. You know the song, and if you've ever seen it, when words fail, when human vocabulary is not enough, when you're in that place, I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit will give words to the Father on your behalf. Tim Keller says this, when human vocabulary proves insufficient, the language of the Spirit does not. When human vocabulary proves insufficient, the language of the Spirit does not. And the promise of God is that when we're in those places of groaning beyond words, that the Spirit of God, His very presence loving us, He will take care of us. And He will intercede for us on our behalf. Two, two illustrations come to my mind. One is, I travel some on behalf of our church family along with many of you and we go to the nations um, that really so desperately need the gospel. So few, there's so many places in the world that, that the gospel's just not known. And, and some of what we do is we get behind indigenous church planters and, and leaders to try to help them to take the gospel forward in their own nation. So a lot of what I invest my time in, primarily because of my gifting, is I'll teach and train. I'll help them to know the word of God better so that they in turn can help others know the word of God better. Well, one of the things that happens when I go to a place like India, where in about four weeks we'll be for training of a large conference of church planters, training them in the word, is I'll, I'll have beside me... Um, 
someone who speaks the local language, all right? So, for instance, in India, we'll have somebody there who speaks Telugu. I have no idea what anything is being said when he speaks Telugu, all right? I, I, I can represent myself the, the best I can in English, but then all of a sudden, this interpreter has to take what he has heard from me and actually make it effective to those who are actually listening because they're sitting there and they, as I'm speaking English, they can't hear anything of what I'm saying in English. They've got to hear it in Telugu. Well, there are times when I'm standing there and I will issue a short phrase like this. When human vocabulary proves insufficient, the language of the spirit does not. I'll look at him. And all of a sudden, he will start going. But about five minutes after he started, I'm sitting there looking at him going, is he translating that? Because that took me about 10 seconds to say. And he's still talking. I'm looking at my clock going, what in the world is happening right now? It's like this dude's preaching his own sermon over here. <laughs> and I'm just standing here listening, which is fine, I guess, but I just feel confused. After he finishes, usually it's one of our dear, trusted friends and partners, I'll, I'll say to somebody like Chris, uh, could you explain to me what he's just happened? He said, brother, they needed a little extra to understand. They need a little extra to understand. I'm going, okay. He said, but they get it now, I promise you, they understand it. And I was like, great. Words fail, right? And so I'm, I, I'm standing there and I'm having to lean entirely on this one who, is, who I have trusted and who I'm depending on to interpret what I have said in, in my feeble language and attempt to get it across. He's able now to take that and represent it in a way that it will be effective. Do you see? In a similar way, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a kind of interpreter in our life, an intercessor. One who's, who's taking the frailty and the feebleness of, of our attempt to communicate to God. And he's taking it and he's representing it before the Father in a way that is entirely effective on our behalf. And there's times at which you don't even know how to say what you need to say and the Holy Spirit just takes over. And you can just, you can just stand there and go, thank you, Thank you, because I don't even know that I knew how to say what I was trying to say. Thank you, because you knew that needed some explanation. You knew that needed some intercession. You knew that needed greater effectiveness before the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I can know that I know that I know right now, even with no words, you are interceding for me. Aren't you grateful? for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Second illustration that I'll use, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more from a different angle. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait on that. I'm gonna, move to, I'm gonna move to something else, and I'll come back to illustration. I promise you'll get it. I'm just gonna place it a different place. Number two. This is not number two as in the message outline. This is sub point two under number one. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. He knows the depth of our hearts. Secondly, he knows the depth of our hearts. I'm so grateful that we're assured that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us 
And what's so amazing is, it says he who, verse 27, who what? Searches hearts. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the testimony of all of Scripture, like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. There's passages like Psalm 139 that I just quoted this week when I went to the hospital uh, to see Matt and Anna Evans. They had their baby, everybody. And so we are so, so happy. Uh, one of the elders of our church had their first child, and we are so grateful for them. But the Psalm 139 declares how, how the Spirit knows us full and well. Even before uh, we were born into the world, the Spirit knew us in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows when we sit and uh, stand and rise, and He knows when we lay and sleep. He, he knows our thoughts. He knows words before they're on our tongue. God knows you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows the depth of your heart. He knows the parts of you that you, you've never communicated to anyone. When you're, when you're going through stuff, he knows you. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't even have to tell him. He just knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you feel. And because he knows you, what great confidence it is that says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, and it's this one who intercedes for you. Sometimes I look at my girls, uh, Caroline, almost nine, Emma, who turns three this week. I cannot believe it. How is it that she is already three years old? And same thing for Michelle. Like when you know your people, anybody have like people and you're just like, they're my people and I know them, right? Like just a, the way they look at you across the room sometimes, you're like, I know exactly what they're thinking. I know exactly what she's wanting right now. I know exactly what's about to happen, right? And you can move in to the place of their need because you know them. God knows you. He knows you. And one of the assurances he wants you to have is that because he knows you, the Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf on the basis of the truest of true knowledge about you. God has taken care of you. Aren't you grateful that without even having to share anything with God, he already knows you full and well and he is committed to intercede on your behalf. What an assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. And not only this, as he's interceding, he is praying for you according to God's will. He's praying for you according to God's will. It says here, the Spirit of God intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
according to the will of God. In other words, he's saying similar to what Jesus taught, look, if, a ch- if, if, if you can understand this, that like when a child asks their dad for bread, the dad is not gonna give them a snake. How much more then could you get to grow to a point of faith that you, you trust God who is infinitely more perfect than any father known on earth? How much more should you get to a point of trusting God that when you ask of him that he will give to you something that is good? He's not gonna answer your prayer request in any way other than for your good. So not only do we have one who is interceding for us, not only do we have one who's giving words when we have no words, who knows us full and well, he searches the depth of our hearts, but as he gives words for us, and as he gives words knowing us completely, he's giving words of a certain direction toward a certain effect that we might have the very best of what God has to offer. And what a great assurance it is to know that as he intercedes for us, he's doing it according to the best, according to God's will. Ephesians 6, 18, as he goes through the different spiritual armor that we are to wear, it says we are to pray all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Jude chapter one, verse 20 and 21 says, but you beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. He prays for us according to God's will. One of my worst fears in life is to have to suffer some kind of medical crisis or trauma to the degree that my whole life, like I am incapacitated to the degree or put to sleep in a way that literally like none of my medical decisions are being made by me. Any other control freaks in in the room? Okay, just me, that's great. Um, That scares me to death. Like, I've gotta turn my life over and and, and other people have gotta make decisions and and I don't have any opportunity to even give voice to that. Some of y'all have walked through perhaps some of the pain and trauma of situations like that medically in a friend group or a family group that you're in. Where you turn in the decisions of your life over to one who knows better (laughs) while you aren't able to make those decisions on your own. In a way, the Holy Spirit in our life is one who we're we're basically, as he's interceding for us, like we're we're turning over decisions in our life to him. We're we're choosing for him to take control. We're choosing for, for the Holy Spirit to take care of us. And in moments of great weakness, in moments of decisions, and y'all, I know that I know there's folks in this room right now who 
you just get into these, you, these moments and you're like, it could be this or it could be this. I have no clue. And all you can offer is just your uncertainty. Or, or, or moments of, of just great weakness and desperation and all you can offer is just your pain or your tears or just, God, have mercy. And you just, and that's all you have. All you have is just going to God in his presence and the Holy Spirit of God interceding on your behalf. What a gift. What a gift to know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with words when we have none, that the Holy Spirit absolutely knows us to the depth of our heart, but also the Holy Spirit is the best decision maker in the world. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what is needed in each situation and circumstance. The Holy Spirit knows us and knows everything. He searches all, he knows all, and it promises you that when you are in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you, his saint, according to what is best with God. What a gift to know the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? I wonder right now, how many of us need to lean into this promise of God, this assurance that we have in Jesus Christ? How many of us right now are holding on to control or wondering, does anybody know does anybody know what I'm going through? Does anybody care? Can anybody do anything about this? Maybe right now, all you feel that you can offer is just your silence or your tears in the presence of God. I just want to tell you, God knows. God cares. God ministers to you. God is using the Holy Spirit in your life to intercede on your behalf. Trust him. Stay surrendered to him. Let him lead you. He is wonderful. The second assurance that we have in Jesus Christ that this passage speaks of is how God is at work in everything. How God is at work in everything. This comes from verse 28, which is probably one of the most quoted verses <laughs> in all of Romans, it may be one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible, and it typically is quoted at the worst of times, okay? I would encourage you, as well-intended as you are in quoting this verse, please don't do it, especially in times of great trauma and trouble in other people's lives, all right? So I'm gonna teach you the truth of this verse, but sometimes truth needs right timing, all right? And I have sat in my pastoral office many, many, many times with many of you who have been hurt by the wrong timing of this verse, all right? But we're gonna look at it and talk about what the truth of it is. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is at work in everything. The first thing that we notice here is that 
one of the things we have to recognize as believers is that every good thing that we enjoy in life, every single good thing we enjoy in life is just grace. Everything. Every good gift is a blood-bought gift. For us, we don't see routine things in life. We don't just go, oh, well, that was coincidence. Oh, that, you know, that's just kind of random. Um, we don't see it that way at all. When we experience good gifts in life, knowing what we know out of what we just talked about, the brokenness of the world because of sin, the brokenness of the world, longing for redemption, we know, we know that we know that we know that tragedies could come. We know that life is hard. We, we as Christians don't believe the world is a perfect place. We don't believe everything is all happy. We, we believe in joy in the midst of sorrow, don't get me wrong, but we are objective about the fact that there's a lot of sorrow. There is a lot of sadness. There's a lot of brokenness on this side of heaven. And we know that we're not immune to it. We know that those things also could happen to us. And so when we experience good things in life, when we get things like a promotion, or like this week when we have a healthy baby, or even when we just pull in at the end of a, a car ride from work to the house, or we get through tornadoes and our lives are spared. We don't just go, oh, that's cool. Or that's convenient. No, we go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Literally. Like our whole life is like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you, God, for your good gifts. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for, for your love. When, we, when, when things work out in our view, like beneficially for us, then we know all of that must be God. We are people who see everything as a good gift from God. For we know, he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We, we know then that these good things are God things. I think often, and I pray often about the parable of the 10 lepers. You know what I'm talking about in the gospels? 10 of them experienced healing from Jesus. They were all crying out for healing. 10 of them experienced healing, but only one of them, only one of them, Jesus said, returned to say thank you. I really believe that all of us here in this room experience good gifts of God all the time. But I wonder how many of us have the habit of returning to the giver of those gifts to say things. I want to be one who grows in the habit of returning to say things. So one of the things that I get from this verse is just quite simply that we need to recognize that good gifts are blood-bought gifts and we need to grow in gratitude. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow or due to change. 
Psalm 23, five describes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. How many of us feel the overflowing cup of God's goodness in our life now in Jesus Christ? Surely, he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Be the one that returns to say thanks. The second thing I want to just mention is, as we look at this verse, particularly verse 28, it's similar to something that I said last time when we were talking about being children of God and, and, and having the opportunity as a child of God to grow in likeness of God. Verse 28 continues to talk to us. God is talking deep into our hearts. He says, I want you to know all things, all things are going to work together for good in your life. I need you to trust me here. God's trying to get our attention. He's wanting us to know we can trust him. We can trust him. We can trust him. We can trust him. He is a good, good father. And we can trust him even when it looks like from our view, things in our life have gone wrong. We can trust that he works lovingly. Lovingly. On our behalf. He says, for we know that for those who, who love God, all things work together for what? For good. All things work together. The universe is not a mechanism that's run by chance. The universe is run by a person. And more than just a person, the universe is run by a father. A father who is good. And as I've said many, many times here over the years, even when we cannot understand God's hand, we can always trust God's heart. There are many of us who spend lots of time fretting, trying to understand, God, what are you doing? And I don't understand, and those are legit questions. I'm not trying to say, look, the pain is real, the questions are real, the frustration, the confusion, all of that is real. You could be honest about it. But even when you don't have answers as to why, you always have an answer as to his heart. You know that you know that you know he loves you. And you can know that you know that you know he is at work in every single thing. Even when a lot, Proverbs says, a die is cast from the lap, the answer is from the Lord. You can know that in every single thing, God is working for your good. Surely, the psalmist says, goodness and mercy, they will follow you all the days of your life. In other words, if you look at the grand story of what God is writing in your life, the story is one of good. 
God is at work for good in your life. Jeremiah 29 speaks to the Old Testament Israelites. For I know, he says, the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. There are some days where, y'all, it's just so hard and the pain is so real and, and I have to just sit and go, God, I don't know why this is happening to me, but God, I am believing you right now. I cannot see your hand in this, but Lord, I'm going to trust your heart in this. I believe you are for me and not against me. I believe you don't mean evil for me. Look at your son. He died for me. You love me. You gave yourself for me. I believe you, you, your goodness and your mercy will follow me. And even now in this, God, I believe somehow, even though I cannot see it, that God, even now, you surround me. You working in my life in a redemptive way. We're not people who in the midst of suffering say, well, ain't no good can come out of this. We believe, okay, I, I don't know if this rug will do what I'm gonna, it's not. Um, some really authentic textiles, not the ones that you buy from Wayfair, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. They're authentically made in China, but this is not, this illustration is not going to work for that, all right? Um, sometimes when you, when you see, uh, I was in Central Asia recently and saw some of this, you, you see some of the rugs on the back side of the rug. Um, this one doesn't do it, but on the back side of some rugs, you'll find that like, it is like incredibly like messy, strings and just every which way and you can see the way that they're working on the backside and it just doesn't look pretty at all. Until you flip that rug over and you see what the artist has been working on the entire time and on the other side of it you go, wow, breathtakingly beautiful. Sometimes in our life all we have view of is the backside of the rug. And we see the mess and we look at the strings and we go, what in the world is going on here? This is a hot mess. I don't get it. But we as believers have this hope. Even when we can't understand the connection on the backside, we have this hope that there's coming a day that that will be flipped around and we will see it through the redemptive view of Jesus Christ. And we will see the beauty that in all things truly he was working in all things he was working, and there is coming a day where we will see the redemptive purpose of God unfold. And we will go, thank you, God. Thank you that my life was marked by your redemption, and thank you that even though in this great pain, God, even though this is what I endured, God, that from this you brought good. See, Joseph, at the end of his life, Genesis 50, he looked at his brothers. Gosh, he had, he had been in so much pain his whole life from these men that attacked him, that did evil against him. His own brothers lied about him, sold him into slavery. The pain in Joseph's life, I can't imagine. And yet, when they show up into his presence, the first time they get to meet and actually talk, 
what Joseph looks at him and says can only be explained through the goodness of God and the redemption of God, how he views his pain through the lens of God's grace. And he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That is the perspective of one who really knows the Lord. The darkest of nights, the most broken of broken circumstances, the greatest of pains, we know that in time, we will look at it and say, God, thank you because you worked it for good. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I know you're with me. I know your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I know like 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, I know that I am being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. I know that this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That, and there's a purpose of all of this. In other words, what, what is the good that God is working from verse 28? Well, the, the good that God is working from verse 28 is answered in verse 29, all right? And what does verse 29 tell us? Look at your Bible. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. In other words, so what he's saying is, what you gotta know that you know that you know is that in all things, in all things, God is working, and he's working with this purpose, and it's the one I talked about last week, to make you like Jesus. He is working in your heart and life to transform you into the image of Jesus. And so one of the things you can know that you know that you know is that in everything that God is doing, he is working lovingly on your behalf. And this last point is that nothing can ruin his purposes for you. When he says in verse 28, all, it really means all. And we'll talk more about this next week on Resurrection Sunday. But one of the assurances of Jesus in your life is that he is going to keep you until the end. <laughs> Nothing will be able to stop the one who loves you and who gave himself for you and is now interceding within you and one day will come before you. He will accomplish his good purposes in your life. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will be with him forever. And you know, one of the things that I'm telling you can't screw this up is you. <laughs> and sometimes I really believe in our life, we, sin is horrible. It is a terrible thing. It, we will always regret sin in our life. But I am telling you that God's grace is greater than your sin. 
and I'm telling you that I'm telling you that I am telling you. God is at work with purpose in your life. Peter, after his denial of Jesus, thought Jesus had to be done with him. He was so ashamed of his own denial of Jesus, his own sin, that he went back to fishing. And Jesus had to meet him there. And there had to be restoration, repentance and restoration done. But you want to talk about grace? Jesus looked him in the eyes and basically said, Peter, sin is not going to have the last word in your life. I am. And I want to redeem you. And I'm going to restore you to ministry. Some of us need to hear When you're caught in sin and shame, you need to be reminded that the grace of God is greater than your sin and shame. And the redeeming purpose of God will be fulfilled in your life. Sin and Satan will not have the last word. Jesus will. His goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Number three, and I close. God will finish what he started. God will finish what he started. Verses 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God will finish what he started. As we think about this, um, what an incredible assurance for us, for those who are in Jesus Christ. Um, Lord knows, and y'all need to know this too, I finish, I mean, I start a lot of things that I don't finish. Anybody with me in that? I have uh, started many things. I I mean, it could be a book and I pick it up, you know. Some of us, Bible reading plan for this year. How's that going? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Life, you know, you go to Planet Fitness, there's a reason they advertise, you know, January, how's that going for you? You know, we're going to be in the gym how many times this year? And for many of us, we we have not finished (laughs) what we started. Um, It could be projects around the house, you name it. We as humans have a tendency not to finish what we start. But one of the assurances that we have with God is that he's not like us. God always finishes what he starts. He sees it through. And one of the things these verses tell us in our our life is God is committed. He is committed to work in our life to bring us to know and to become like Jesus. Look at this. This is all his work. Those who he foreknew. He predestined to be conformed to the image of son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those who he predestined, he called. Those who he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Very little work being done by us in these verses. Would you agree? This seems like something from start to finish that he is doing and he will see through to the end. 
The work of God in our life, friend, is all a work of grace. Your assurance in Jesus Christ is not that you will be a good Christian. Your assurance is that he will be a wonderful savior. Your assurance is not your ability to to stay faithful to him, but rather your assurance is his commitment to always be faithful to you. Our assurance and our life with Jesus Christ rest completely on him. Titus 3, 4 to 7, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of work done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In other words, go and sing that song again. What he's done. Make sure you emphasize he. What he's done. What he's done. All the, y'all sing it with me. Please don't leave me up here by myself. All the glory and the honor to the Son. Right? What is that song teaching us? It's all about him. It's all about what he has done. It's all about his commitment to us to work in our life in such a way that he will see it through to the end. He's committed to us. All the glory and all the honor to the Son. That's why Ephesians 2 says, for by what? Grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one will boast. It's all God. It's all God. Which is why I'm saying here, God is committed to work in your life, to bring you into relationship with Jesus Christ and to bring you into a place that you're becoming more like him. That's what verses 29 is all about. He, he is committed. He is committed. When you're in Jesus Christ, he is committed. He commits himself to you. Secondly, under number three. That means our salvation is sure. You can know that you know that you know that you know that you know when you're in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Your salvation, your right relationship with God is completely sure. Uh, Many, many people call verse 30 the golden chain of salvation. That's kind of the phrase that we use in theological circles. You may never hear it again. It's not that important that you repeat it. I think it's kind of dorky myself. But essentially though, the reason is it's saying this is like the gold standard of understanding salvation. Think about links in a chain. And all of these are linked together and and none of them are are, are going to be broken. All links go together. First, he foreknew. Look at verse 30. I'm just walking through the verse 29 and 30. I'll start with 29. For those whom he foreknew, right? He foreknew. What is he saying here? It's like, He's, he set his love on us. He, to, to, to foreknow is like saying to, to forelove. He set his love on us before the beginning of time. This is unbelievable. When the Bible talks about God knowing someone, it means he set his love on them in, in such a personal way. God foreknew us. He set his love on us. And after setting his love on us, 
It describes how he predestined us. It, essentially what it means in English, to set a destination, to, to make a plan ahead of time. In the Greek, it kind of means like to set a horizon and then to set out for it. God in his love for us planned a glorious destination for us to, to be with him. Those who he foreknew, first link, second link comes on, he predestined. He made a plan for a glorious future. And now comes the third link. And those who he predestined, verse 30, he also called. This idea of calling is God awakening us to, to truth. There's a moment like inside of our hearts that our hearts become aware. It's like an illumination of our hearts to help us to, to know that we know that we know who he is and how he's come to save us, that we are sinful and broken, that he is wonderful and merciful and, and to move us toward him in a real way from our hearts. This is speaking of the, the moment of, see there's a lot of people I, I've pastored over the years, some of you perhaps today, where, where you've intellectually assented You've agreed with the facts about Jesus, but something else is needed. There's got to be an embrace of the heart. And this, this idea of calling here is the, the moment that the Holy Spirit actually convicts you of sin, where there's brokenness and conviction. And when you sincerely, not with your head, but with your heart and your whole life, you sincerely move toward Jesus and you surrender your life. Those who he foreknew, he set his love upon. He had a glorious future set out and he worked in their life. He called them deep in the heart. And those who he called, verse 30 says, he justified. We've talked about this extensively in this series. He, he declared us to be legally righteous in Jesus. A status is conferred upon us. We are his. And those who he justified, it says that he glorified. And I love that Paul uses the past tense to talk about the future work. Because what he's saying is, is these chains are linked together. What you have to know is all of these things that God has done in your life, this last thing of glorification, he will do. It is as sure as all the things he's already done. God completes his plan in eternity. He will rid you of sin and he will make you like Jesus and you will be in his presence forever. Those who he foreknew he predestined, and those who he predestined, he called, and those who he called, he justified, and those who he justified, he glorified. He will finish what he started. And his work will not be stopped. <laughs> his work in your life, friend, is absolutely sure. He will finish what he began. I find, I found over the years that those who struggle the most in security of salvation are the ones who look the most at themselves and look the least at Jesus. Struggling with security and salvation is a, is a real thing that many of us 
In fact, I would imagine most of us at some point have gone through. But I gotta tell you, friends, you will never find security in your salvation by looking at yourself. You will only find it by looking at Jesus. And I've gotta tell you that as you look at Jesus, you will realize that your salvation is secure. Because your salvation is not about anything you add to the equation. Your salvation is about a wonderful savior who loves you and who gave himself for you, who started a work in your life and who promises that because you started it, he will finish it. Right now, in this moment, in this season, you can rest secure. And the reason you can rest secure is because of the work, the grace of Jesus. Philippians 1.6, I quoted at the beginning and I close with it. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He will finish what he started. As we close this morning and you see these three points up on the screen as we transition to response, I just wonder today how God has been ministering to you. I've told you that God wants you to have these assurances. These are yours in Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering today how God is ministering to you. What do you need to receive right now in this moment? What do you need to remember right now in this season? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. God is at work in everything. And God will finish what he started. We're gonna sing a song in response today that you know quite well. Uh, It's called It Is Well. Anybody ever heard of this hymn? This song gives words to what I would describe as a kind of rest kind of rest and relief that comes when we trust Jesus deeply. The song was written by a man in great pain. I don't have time to tell the story. He had lost his family in a horrific, horrific accident at sea. He loved Jesus. And I could imagine that in that moment, he probably was asking a lot of big, big questions. I don't know what passage comforted his heart, but I know that the passage we've looked at today is a comfort to our hearts in moments like the one he was going through. And he sat down, maybe it was in silence, maybe it was in tears. I don't know exactly how. But I believe, because I know that he was in Jesus, that he experienced the intercession of the Holy Spirit. I believe that he had a confidence that even though he didn't know God's hand, he could trust God's heart. And I believe that he was looking forward to a day. 
Jesus would make all things new with great confidence that day would come because he knew God would finish what he started. And out came the words of this song. In the chorus we know so well, it is well. Oh, through the tears, through the questions, through the hopes, through the fears. Through all of life, I can sing, it is well. It is well because of the assurances that I have in Jesus Christ. So today, as we sing this song, I don't know what you're going through, but I believe that this could be a song from your heart when you're in Jesus. It is well. It is well with me. So you can stand, you can come to the altar and pray, you can come see a prayer counselor. But let's just sing this song and let it wash over us and let Jesus assure us here on this Palm Sunday as we think about him moving into Jerusalem. Let him assure us he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.